Bible with me to the book of John, chapter 10. We want to go to the Word this morning and talk about living an extraordinary life in an ordinary world. John, chapter 10, living an extraordinary life in an ordinary world. How many of y'all want that? You just got one life. You can live it any way you want to. Isn't that amazing? You can live it any way you want to. Even the angels are beholden to a strict regiment, and they can't break from it. But you and I, we can, we can live like the devil. We can live like days of heaven on earth. It's up to us. We can also live on earth, not, not like, like the devil, but we can live ordinary lives. Jesus said in verse 10, he said, I have come. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So we have what everybody else has, plus we have so much more. So he could have said there, I have come that they might have an extraordinary life. Everybody has a life. He said, I, I didn't just come to take you to heaven. I, I know I get out there sometimes, and, and, but I don't like it that only people are only wanting the Lord Jesus because they don't want hell. That, that's not even, that's not even uh, admirable. Yeah, I choose you because you can rescue me. So he's come that we might have an extraordinary life. The word ordinary means common, plain, undistinguished, among other things. But common. It's a common life. Everybody's got it. You got troubles? Okay, we could hear your story, but we've heard that story. We've lived that story. Everybody's got a story. <laughs> the common life is the same. Different people, different ways, different ways that it happened. But we've all fell into the same thing. The Word says that no temptation has come upon man that's not common. So it's, it just plays out in different colors and fashions and ways by different people. But it's all the same. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. The word extraordinary means remarkable. So I'm having a remarkable life. It means exceptional. I am having an exceptional life. It's because I've agreed with the Lord Jesus, to have a life and life to the full. It means to be beyond. I'm having a beyond life. Are you having a beyond life this morning? You're on track. Doesn't mean everything has been that way lately. But on the other hand, it just means that we're, we're, we're whacking through the jungle, the Amazon jungle with our machete. We're going through it, but we have life. And it also means worthy. Jesus has come that we might have a worthy life, a life worthy of our existence, of all that's been invested in you and I. He said, I've, I did that. The Lord's taking credit for your extraordinary life. He says, I did that. Every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven. It is, there's no good here. There's, there's no good in the devil. If there's ever anything that seems kind or good or gracious from the devil, it's just that he's hustling you. He's setting you up. So he can take you out. That's all that is. So he said, I've come that you might have an extraordinary life. I put on the extraordinary life this morning. I, I determined it's a it's a fork in the road. And I choose. We choose. Are y'all choosing this morning? Choosing an extraordinary life. I think an extraordinary life could also be uh, described as 
having an edge. We had testimonies this morning. Garland said, I, I, I had an edge. The man was there. I was doing my job. They were paying me whichever way I did it. The man was there. He was going to pay his insurance or whatever. It was all, it was all could go away. And he had an edge. And he took the edge and lived the edge. And that was, that was a remarkable testimony. Barry is giving all the glory to God for the things that's happened to them. It's not like, well, it would have happened anyway. I mean, it's a sad and sordid life that believes Every good thing would have happened anyway. Uh, an extraordinary life is a life with an advantage. I have an advantage. You know what they say, favor's not fair. <laughs> we have stuff. You can't lose with the stuff we use. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 18, you're right there. Turn to Luke chapter 18, if you would. I want to talk to you about living an extraordinary life in an ordinary world. A remarkable and exceptional, a worthy life, a life with an edge, a life that's ready. Luke chapter 18, let's look in verse 18. We look at this all the time. And you, you kind of have to go to the story. I'm not going to read it all. But in verse 18, it says, uh, A certain ruler asked Jesus, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And there's a lot of connotations to this from this man. But he was asking the Lord, how can I get over there with you? You teach these things, you demo these things. How can I enter into this eternal life or this life of the eternal? And then if you go down to, uh, well, what he could have said or what he was actually saying is, good master, what shall I do to inherit an extraordinary life? So that means that that could be all of us that we would stop our busy, busy lives, our ordinary lives, as it were, and say, Lord, here I am I'm going down the road. I'm going down life, having an ordinary life. I got troubles here. I got challenges there. I got limitations there. But I'm, I'm using this and I'm doing that to overcome it. What can I do more for me personally to have an extraordinary life? Did y'all know that he'll ask, a, he'll answer the question you ask? He's not much into answering stuff we don't ask. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. That's a principle. We ought to be talking to the Lord more in common terms. And that's one reason here at River Church we, we endeavor to bring things to a common denominator. If you have to have a special cloth over your Lord's table and special wine and special bread and it's got to be the... The, the, the unleavened bread. If you've got to have all that stuff, then you can't do it at home. You can't have the, the atmosphere that we have at church. And you, no, it's, it's everything in the kingdoms for me and for you. Any way we need it, that's the way it can come. So he said, what, what should I do to in, inherit an extraordinary life? And down in verse 22, cutting through the chase, he said, uh, he said unto him, yet lackest thou one thing. Say that with me. Yet lackest thou one thing. That's what it says in the King James. Uh, there's one thing you need, he said. I don't think he was just talking to this man. I think it's a kingdom principle. I think he was actually talking to all of us 2,000 years later when we would ask him, Lord, how come 
It's not as good as what the word says it should be for me. How come I'm what's what's missing in my life? What am I seeing going this way that should be going that way? You know, we ought to ask the Lord when it's not perfect instead of settling and just saying, well, good enough. I, I'm not like that guy or this people. So I ought to be grateful. But on the other hand, he said, I have come that you should have an extraordinary life. We ought to stop and say, uh, what's up, Lord? How come I'm not having an extraordinary life if you're no respecter of persons? If anybody's had one, I could have one. That's the key right there. We're not, we're not, we're not chiding the Lord saying, hey, this isn't fair. We're saying, what am I doing or what could I be doing to have an extraordinary life? And he will tell you. How about that? How about that? That he would tell you. What, what if he would tell you? Well, I don't want him to be chastening me and, and, uh, and instructing me. Well, Nanny Nunu, you're, you're not going anywhere. He said, yet lackest thou one thing. I have noticed in, in my own introspection that the common man, the ordinary man, doesn't care about an exceptional life. The thing that separates you from an exceptional life and a common life is you and me. Heaven's ready. Heaven's got it stacked up at the door saying, can we, can we load your truck with all these blessings? But we don't open the back door of the truck to let him load them up. So it's like, well, how come my truck doesn't get loaded? Well, you've got the key. You've got the combination to open the back door of the truck and he'll load them in there. But if you just sit there saying, load them up, Lord, he might not can because of us. We are so powerful in our words and our will that literally the mountain will move when we speak to it. So therefore, if we don't speak to something or we don't allow it, it, it doesn't happen. We go, Lord, just do it. Well, he doesn't do a lot of stuff that he left up to us. So um, the, uh, the common man does not pursue uh, an exceptional life. So shouldn't we switch over from being common and ordinary? To extraordinary. Well, how, what would that look like? Pursuit. That's all it would look like. How do you go from being common to uncommon, being ordinary to extraordinary? Put your giddy up on. Stop your busy life of ordinary and common and regular and everybody's got that and everybody's facing that and that's the same for everybody and the flu's going around and the COVID's coming and all that stuff that's ordinary, that's just common to man. Stop it. And say, I'm not settling. I'm not stopping. I'm not, I'm, I'm extraordinary. I'm uncommon. And then wait for him to tell you the key at the next left, turn left. Or the next right, turn right. Or whatever he'll tell you. He will tell you the keys of the kingdom. It might not be, he said, in reference to your question 63 days ago. He might not come that way. He might just drop it down inside of you. But if you're meditating it, if you're thinking about it, if you're in pursuit, it'll click. It'll fit. It'll work. We don't ask enough questions about our healing, about our money, about our relationships. We don't ask. He's got the keys of the kingdom and he wants you to have them. The word says that it is his good pleasure to give you the keys of the kingdom. So we should ask. But the, the power of assumption is fatal. You will not live an extraordinary life with an assumptive attitude. What will be, will be. Que sera, sera. 
We're, we're doing better than some, better than we used to, so we shouldn't complain. Faith is not a complaint. Amen. Uh, so the uncommon man, woman, is marked by one thing, and that word is pursuit. Pursuit. Say it with me. Pursuit. Are you in pursuit? Are you in pursuit of more? Or do you just come to church to be marked down? Lord, mark me down. I was there. That's a low threshold. We wouldn't say that's pursuit because maybe there's denominational churches all over town that could say I was there. So pursuit is when you come or when you endeavor or when you, when you are uh, hungry for more. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, don't go there. Let me just read it to you. It says, ye did run well. Paul said to the Galatians, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? One thing thou lackest, Jesus told the man. He said, you did run well. You're a rich young ruler. You had a boy, good boy in this realm. You did good over here in this one. Better than a whole bunch of folks. You're on it. But you have closed the door to one thing thou lackest. And sure enough, he nailed it. The young man turned away very sorrowful because the Lord nailed his one thing and he didn't want to fix it. He said, give. You're not giving. You're, you're stacking it up. Don't misread that to mean it, other things. It means that you, son, are stacking it up for whatever reason and you can't stack it up. It's killing you. It's murdering you. It's setting you back. So just give it away. It is the proof that you love God and that you're not greedy is when you give. Giving is the proof. Oh, I love you, Lord. Well, God so loved he gave. So you measure loving by giving. People that say they love God but don't give. It's just not true. First Corinthians 13 talks about love. And what love does. Love gives, gives, gives. And lust takes, takes, takes. So he measured the young man. He said, boy, just make this adjustment. One thing thou lackest. If there's more, I'll talk to you about it later. You can only handle the one thing. And the young man went away. The word says sorrowful. Well, we don't like this story. We think the boy should have ponied up and did right. And there was the key. And it was obvious to everybody that's really reading the scripture 2,000 years later, what should have happened. But we might fall into that same thing ourselves. We might have said, mm, not now. It's not a good time. I got bills. I got responsibilities. And we begin to justify it. And then that justification hardens inside of us. And that's who we become. And sometimes you got to get in pursuit and just say, I'm not having an extraordinary life right now. Good enough, better than it's ever been, better than a lot, but it's not what the Word says, and that's the measure of my life. What does the Word say? If it says, just be satisfied with what you got, well, then we can do it. We can do it. But if He said, I've come that you might have an extraordinary life, we should be in pursuit of the extraordinary life. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, ye did run well, who did hinder ye that ye should not obey the truth? Huh. Not obey the truth. So it could be that we would say, I don't disobey. But it could also be said that you could not disobey, but you could not obey the truth. 
people will say, where does it say in the Bible that you can't smoke? Well, it, it doesn't say you shouldn't smoke or do drugs or hallucinate. <laughs> you know, it, but you can find the truth and obey the truth and you won't hallucinate or whatever people do. I'm so out of the loop, I, you know. I, I've been watching National Geographic where the smugglers are trying to get through the airport and get through the, you know, and how they, f they find them. Yeah, one man the other day took, the foot off, took his foot off the brake in line and he, his truck lurched forward into the back of the car in front of it and the quarter panel over the front left tire, all these drugs fell out. You talk about snake bit. <laughs> it's dumb and dumber. <laughs> oh, well, I don't want to tell y'all whatever, what all I watch, but that's, that's pretty much it right there. <laughs> Proverbs 26.2 says this. Listen, listen, listen. The curse causeless shall not come. Say it with me. The curse causeless shall not come. Okay, God, do better. The curse causeless shall not come. What in the world does that mean? Oh, it means that there's no luck. There's no such thing as luck. You know, hee-haw, if I had no bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, agony on me. You know, that sort of thing. Well, I can tell you, the curse causeless, the word says, cannot come. What does that mean? It means, it does not mean everything happens for a reason. You hear that? Do you ever hear that? Yeah. Everything happens for a reason. It's usually after a train wreck of some kind in somebody's life. Everything happens for a reason. But that's not what it says. The curse causeless cannot come. The kingdom is so structured <laughs> that if we were a hundred miles, the earth was a hundred miles closer to the sun or a hundred miles further from the sun in this orbit that is 365 and a quarter days and has been for gazillions of years, never flinching, never deviating. If we were closer or further, our climates would be, I'm not sure it's a hundred miles, but it's would be way off. Our ozone level has to be exactly. Our gravitational pull has to be exactly. There, there is less than a 1% tolerance on all this stuff, or we would be like Venus or Mars. We'd be toasty. And, and it's just like, what? The, the kingdom is so structured that the Bible says, well, I wrote it down here. It says, uh, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that exactly, precisely, with no deviation, shall he also reap. The curse causeless cannot come. So if, you, if you're doing the kingdom, if you're following the law, it'll be blessing. Now, there'll be things that'll come around you that might seem like, well, God sent that to me. But that would be, that'd be a lie. The devil is the perverter of all good things. And he wants to distract you. But everything does not happen for a reason. But everything does happen because of a reason. Oh, you never hear it said that way. Everything happens because of a reason, not for a reason. If it's for a reason, then God's manipulating. God's slowing stuff down. God's moving people into your life and this, that, and the other. He does influence. Have you ever been influenced to do a good thing? 
But he did he robotically make you take a thousand dollars out of your pocket and, and no. But he did influence and say it'd be a good time to sow a thousand or a hundred or a dollar or whatever. Homeless man here, whatever. But he never made you do anything. They all said amen. So there's no arbitrary in the kingdom. There's no luck in the kingdom. Let's just, this isn't on my subject, but let's just make sure we understand that. Everything that happens in your life is based on basically two things. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. And whatever you say is coming to pass. Thou shalt decree a thing, Job said, and it shall be established unto you and the light shall shine upon your ways. Whatever you decree shall be established. Jesus said, speak to the mountain and it'll do what you say. Wow. Life, life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wow. Does it, what if the Bible was true? <laughs> What's up? What if it was true? Why, we, we would understand our whole lives. We could trace everything that happened in our life. We could trace it back. So that means if you sowed under unction, increase is coming. It, it can't be different because whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Uh, the the uh, amplified. Now, <laughs> I like this. He said uh, that and that only is what he will reap. That and that only. Wow. So if you sow with a thimble, that and that only. If you sow, sow with a bucket, it'll be different. It's not the same. After you and I give, it's never the same as if we didn't give. It may seem like it. It may not be not distinguishable. And the time lapse may not be able to get you back where you can attribute what you did then to what's happening now. But it's absolutely tied together. So precise. If our oxygen levels were different in the earth, what, what do we have? 70-something percent nitrogen, 22 percent oxygen, and there's helium and argon and all that. But they say that we couldn't survive if that deviated much at all. I mean, this is scientists. This, these aren't God people. These are just saying, it's got to be just like this. And you go, well... There's a gazillion things that have to be just like this. It's not like, well, close enough. If anything goes off, the whole thing blows up and blows away and, 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 and it, we can't survive. But the Lord is exact. Well, if you think he's going to do that to keep the whole planet alive and going, our magnetic poles have to be exact. I mean, there's just the seasons. I mean, it's just so, there's just, I, I, I want to write it down again. It's just lists of things that have such close tolerances. So you think, well, then the Lord's, that same God that did that is going to say, close enough. He wanted to give. He didn't give, but he wanted to. So we'll just treat it like this. I'm getting off. So the passion says the harvest you reveal, excuse me, the harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. Now that is something powerful. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. Wow. 
So you don't like your harvest? Oh, we could check up on your seed. Because we tend to judge others by what they do and judge ourselves by our good intention. Isn't that right? You can have a pass, Michael. It's okay. You better straighten up out there. You can have a pass, Michael. It's okay. Amen. So I want to talk just for a moment about lordship, and that would be in Luke chapter 14. You're right there. Slip back three or four chapters and go to verse 33. And this is a, uh, this is, we, we looked at this the other day. This is a long discourse about, uh, um, uh, don't you think you ought to figure out that if you've got 10,000 man army, that you want to whoop up on a man with the 20,000 man army. And, and uh, if, you, if you're going to build a castle or a building, you ought to see if you have enough block. You might just have block for, the, you know, for part of it. And he goes on and on there. And then so in verse 33, that's where we're going. So likewise, so he's, he's lumping up all those things before. Likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all. That's King Jamesy. Forsaketh not all that he hath. He cannot be my disciple. Boy, that seems harsh. It seems like there ought to be a little mercy here and a little line here. But that's what he said. Mine's in red. It says, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. The message says, simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye. You can't be my disciple. So there's a line there. And we, we judge the line based on how we would give it to other people. You can treat me wrong here and come back and say you're sorry, or you can treat me wrong here and, and just be friendly, and I'll take you back, and we'll walk out together, and it'll all be fine. But the Lord's not that way. He's got to have lines, and he has this line. I, I didn't set it. He said, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. So lordship is a tricky thing. He wants to be first. He doesn't want to be lumped in. He wants to be first. You go, well, where's all these promises in the Bible that says I'll be blessed here and I'll have this and, and, and he'll save me here and heal me there? And How come that's not happened to me? How come I have a common life? Well, because you might be a common disciple. You might not want to make him Lord. You want to lump him in. Lord, I love you. Like ice cream and like going to the lake. And I like you, Lord. I, I, you know, and I, occasionally let's, let's open the good book. Occasionally, and, and let's and when I'm in trouble, Lord, you be sure and stay there because I may need you. Don't be running off because I may need you to be on the line, the red line, the hotline. I'm in trouble. Lord, come save me. It's amazing how much of that he does. But he wants to be Lord. And uh, he's pretty narrow about it. So, yeah, we said this last week. You have to want what the Lord wants for the same reason he wants it. And receive it the same way he gives it. Had somebody, you know, recently that said, uh, I, I want what somebody wants to give me, but I don't want that person to give it to me. 
I mean, blatant. It was wide open. It was straight up. It, that, that's what it was. It wasn't like I'm that person can't give me that even though. But if someone else gave it, we'd be so glad. So you go, well, that's not the lordship of Jesus. Sure it is. We got to forgive. To make Jesus Lord, you got to forgive because he says how you treat your fellow man is how you're treating him. Now, I'm not wanting to be hard this morning. I'm not. I just, but I do want us to know where the line is so that we're not disappointed and going through life saying God's not really fair and not understand what's right here because I can change. I can change anything. I, I'm capable. If I choose, I can change anything and adjust. And that's what I'm doing. How about you? We're, we're adjusting. Uh, Matthew 6.33, you know that one? Seek ye first. God wants to be first. Jesus said, I'm either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Yeah, I, he, he wants to be first in your everyday. He wants to be first when you're busy. He wants to be first when you're cranky. He wants to be first when you're tired. He wants to be first on the lake and in the mountains and when you're jet skiing or whatever you say. That was sure fun. He wants to be Lord there. So I have a question. I always have a question. I'm going to ask you all a question. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5, and I'll ask the question. Here's my question this morning, because we're talking about the extraordinary life. Y'all are fine. We're all fine. We're all fine. God's mad, not mad at any of us. He is well pleased with all of us. But he's trying to get blessing to you. He's trying to get a demonstration in your life, a testimony of how good he is. But he just needs us to cooperate. Because if he just throws it on everybody, it's not a testimony of anybody. So here's the question. Could God, could God surprise you with his goodness? Uh, I know that's what I would say. Sure, Lord, hit me with that. We'll, we'll all be glad. But really, could he surprise you? The man that, that Barry referenced in uh, Kings 7, 1 Kings 7, that was the goodness of God. He said, I'm fixing to pay off everybody's food bill here. We're, we're, there's going to be plenty of cheap food and it's going to be cheap. And he said, I'm taking no surprises like that. So in Luke chapter five, verse one, came to pass as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of however you want to say that Genesaret, Gennesaret, Gini or whatever, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught, for a catch. He saith unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon said, you're not going to surprise me with your goodness. He said, Master, we have toiled all the night. It ain't happening. And have taken nothing. It didn't happen. It's not going to happen. Nevertheless, well, it could happen. At thy word, I will let down the net. Now, you see the discrepancy here in verse 4. It says, let down your did y'all see it? What did he say in verse 4? Let down your nets. What did he say in verse 5? I will let down the net. 
Ah, a little fudgy there. <laughs> a little compromisey. A little I'll do part of it, but I'm not, I don't believe. But, but I, don't, I want to be on your side. I want to get to go to the potluck dinners you're hosting on Thursday nights. I, I want to go to, you know, the big fellowship. So I'm going, to, I'm going to comply here. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net, singular, break. Oh, that's why he wanted me to let down the nets. You reckon he knew more? Maybe so. But I didn't let him surprise me with his goodness, as we turned out. His goodness was beyond what I was letting him surprise me. I, I, I would have tolerated a net full, but it would have filled up the nets. Are y'all getting this? Yes. He wants to surprise you with his goodness, but on the other hand... An extraordinary life is not, ex is not surprised by an extraordinary life. That was real good, what I just said. An extraordinary life is not surprised by an extraordinary life. It's like, of course. Like Barry Paul. Of course. Of course. Of course. 28 checks, of course. We rejoiced over it, how it came, the method and the timing and the, and the source and all those things are amazing. But you never heard him say this morning, I can't believe it. I just can't believe this happened. And they beckoned into the partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships. So they began to sink. Y'all, this is so amazing. You can't even really... What happened that day, you, these few words cannot really get it. But it says the ships began to sink. These are fishing boats. These are boats that are made to hold what they were. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now look in verse 9. This is King James. For he was astonished, and all that were with him. Would you all say he was surprised at the Lord's goodness? He was astonished in all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. Verse 5 says in the Amplified, And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night exhaustingly and caught nothing in our nets. Now, I've heard a story that said that when they let them down to the deep, the fish can't see the nets, and so they, they're snared. So he said, we, that's why they fished at night. Now, I heard that. I'm not... I'm not an expert on it, but they fished at night so the nets couldn't be seen and they would yank them up and fish would be in it. He said, but on the ground of your word, I will lower the net again. But verse nine in the Amplified, verse nine, he was astonished for he was gripped with a bewildering, bewilder, bewildering amazement. He was gripped with bewildering amazement allied to terror. It blowed him up. And all that were with him at the hall of fish which they had made. So he got the unexpected. So the gist of what I'm trying to bring here is that we need to raise our bar so that the amazing does not astonish us. It's like, oh yeah, that's what happens around me. Like Garland said, I lay hands on the sick. They recover. It happens all the time. Who, who is it tonight? 
I'm in DCH. Who is it? Who's going to get God's blessing tonight? Because it happens all the time. It's like that. And I hear Lynn talk about his stories. Somebody will say, oh, they're in trouble. And he'll say, let's fix it. He doesn't say, let's go into prayer and see the Lord's willing. He doesn't say, well, if you'll come to church, my pastor will do this. Or if you'll get this special anointing oil from the Jerusalem trees. Just whips a hand on them and says, be healed. And they, golly, I can't believe it. It went away. That's what's happening to all of us. So we've raised the bar. Because I promise you, my kinfolks are not saying that. Amen. Why were they astonished when he said, let down the net? And then there were so many fish that they sank two boats. Because he had never, he had never been wrong in anything he had ever said. And he told them specifically how to prosper that day. Why were they astonished? His track record was perfect. I'm going to, I'm going to say to you, his track record is still perfect. So we need to be being, quit being surprised by his goodness. Blessed, glad, and I don't want to mess up that word surprise, but it's just another day in the kingdom. My debts got paid off. My body got healed. I laid hands on this and I spoke to that and it moved. It, it changed. But I'll tell you, Peter was increased that day. It was a landmark experience for him. And all of us need a, a testimony that marks a landmark experience in your life that says, God, I'll never disbelieve you again. I'll believe you when you say it the first time in a conversational tone. Peter said yes that day, and it changed him forever. You, you know he walked on the water after that and did all sorts of crazy, wild-eyed stuff. Well, it was because of this. This marked the turn. So I say, just do what you will, but I say we ought to go back to our landmark turn, whatever it was. Barry and Melissa will never forget this week. It'll never leave their conversation. It'll never leave their testimony. It'll never leave the, the attitude about the future. It'll never leave it because this is, this is, this is worthy. This is a, an astonishing, extraordinary, uncommon life. Don't know of anybody that, it ever, that it's ever happened to. Maybe so, but... I like 1 Thessalonians 3.10. The word says in 1 Thessalonians 3.10 that he might perfect that which is, let's see, what, what does it say? 1 Thessalonians. He might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Okay, 3.10. 1 Thessalonians 3.10. This scripture bailed me out. It's how I got to Alabama. Or it's how I stayed in Alabama is because the Lord told me after we got here, said, I sent you there to perfect that which is lacking in your faith. I sat under Pastor Webb in Birmingham. I was word of faith. I, 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 I was shucking the corn. I was, I was peeling the, the potatoes. But there was things that were lacking in my faith. And I sat under him. And he said, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. That's what's happening right now. 
That's what's happening today, and it's going to happen Wednesday and the next Sunday. It's going to happen when you open the Word of God. It's going to happen when you hear Deborah Ann read a testimony or one of your brethren stands up and said, I just want to tell on God. It perfects that which is lacking in your faith. It's, it's residual. It doesn't all happen at once. Well, glory to God. Peter probably fainted at other times. The Word says that when the waves were boisterous, he began to sink, and he, he was a, a schoolgirl. Help me. Help me, Lord. <laughs> so he had, you know, he, we're all challenged. But he was amazing, wasn't he? Praise God. So I say, you say, we are all dealing with one thing thou lackest. Unless you can stand up this morning and say, I have the most extraordinary life. He, I live an extraordinary life in an ordinary world, and we do. But we all see that there's room. We all see I could be more extraordinary and I could have a better life. And we got to giddy up. Not only are we getting older every year, y'all may have noticed that, that those things, when they, when they torch the whole room on a candle, on a cake, with your candles, <laughs> you go, things are moving. They're moving right along here. And so, and then the Lord said, I'm coming soon. So between those two, we all got to giddy up. And if we're going to have an extraordinary life, got to do it now. You got to do, do it now. You can't like, well, we're, we're really trying to pay off the boat. And we're, we're really trying to get Johnny and Jenny through school. And, you know, there's time. There's not time. And you can pay off the boat and put them through school while you're having an extraordinary life. You don't have to wait. So the, it's the evidence of being a disciple. Y'all remember when he said, I want to be Lord. I want to be first. If you can't put everything else aside and make me Lord, I really, you and I, we don't, we're not pen pals anymore. So what's lacking? The man at the gate, beautiful. You know, Peter and John went into the temple to pray and there was that man there. And the, and the word says that he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the Bible said he received strength in his ankles. He wasn't stage four. He, he, he wasn't missing an arm and he, he wasn't with cerebral palsy or anything. He just needed some fixing on one or two feet. Two, I would suppose. And the strength of God went through this man that's really just going to the temple. This man had been there for years. Jesus had gone by many times, many times, all the time. But that day it happened. Received strength. Well, that's not such a big deal, but it changed him forever, didn't it? And so you don't, you don't have to be needing here a brain transplant for you to say, I, I need something extraordinary. You may just need a debt paid off. I've had my debts paid off. And I'm telling you, I'm grateful because I've been a lot of years in debt, a lot of years. And then it happened. You, you'd have never figured it out either, kind of like this. You'd have never figured it out. You never said, I bet you the Lord's going to do it this way. No, you, you're wrong. So what, what maybe, maybe there's some things we could think about. That one thing thou lackest. I wrote down a few things. We'll talk about a couple of them. But maybe, maybe it's, it's not probably here, but giving. Giving is one thing that some people lackest. I know people, because of my place in 
but that have come through over the years and you go, the reason it's not working for you is because you're a, you're a stingy bug. You're tipping. And, and really, if I was your waitress, I'd be mad at your tip. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the one thing. We all got to lighten up and say, you know, the Bible's true. Maybe it's uh, small thinking. The word says about that, says there we saw the giants and we are on our own side as grasshoppers. And so we were in their side as well. Maybe it's small thinking. Everybody can think big in a big place. But it's you don't get to go to a big place to think big. You got to you got to think big where you are. Where are you? We're all in a little place. A big place would be where there's money everywhere. A big place is where they're they're calling you every day saying, can I get your autograph or or whatever. But none of y'all are in a big place in the in that sense. But you got to think big anyway. Well, here's the think big manual. Here, here's how you think big in a small place. And we talked about it Wednesday where well, your surroundings, you, uh, you're not aware of your body. Your body's talking to you. Say, I, I'm here and I'm, I'm in pain and I'm hurting and it doesn't look good. You, you're out of touch with your body. You pay no attention. Brother Hagin said that uh, he had no, he paid no attention to his body. Everybody thinks he just walked in divine, never had anything. 80% of everything that's done on the earth right now is done by somebody in pain. So you got to pay no attention to your body or your surroundings. Uh, maybe it's forgiveness. It says, let all bitterness, all wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. We all deal with that. We all do. You say, ah, not me. I forgive right away. Yeah, I've heard you. If you bring them up at all, they're there. It uh, could be fear. I've, I've met some very fearful people. Y'all know any fearful people? That uh, they're, they're tenuous. If everything's just right, but they're nervous, but everything's right. But if anything, anything fails, boom, they just launch. They're out of there. Maybe it's respect. Uh, the word says, render unto all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We're in a very rebellious society right now. Second Timothy 3 tells us that these times would come, they have come, they're here. Very disrespectful. It's very fearful out there in the natural sense. But we've got to learn to come under somebody. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. One thing we got to do is be able to receive. Receiving is not very easy for me. I, and I don't, I'm not bragging here, but I like to give. I, as pastor and as the oldest in my family and the head of my family and all that, I'm the giver. And so when people send me nice things or say nice things, it's very humbling to me. I, I kind of have to stop and, and get over myself a little bit. I don't know if it's unworthiness or just, but whatever, whatever. That's one thing I've dealt with is like receiving. Well, we got to be able to receive. I don't think the Smiths sent any of those checks back. Amen. Okay, well, I wrote this down. And I'll finish with that. Peter got the unexpected, and he was amazed because he was not ready.
So we're all growing. I'm growing. Are you growing? So that means no matter what frontier you're on, no matter what horizon you've conquered, there's another one over the hill. And you hadn't got there yet. We'll always be learning. He, he is so amazing. He'll always be there. But faith knows. We're not very surprised by his goodness because faith knows. Faith rests. Faith, faith knows. So that's why I can say to you, and I, I do it with all humility, I'm going to handle a lot of money in my lifetime. But I can also tell you, nobody's ever been further from that than I am right now. Experientially, I mean. You go, I wonder if he's got money. <laughs> Only in the Lord. Hallelujah. But I'm a, I'm a steward. I take care of what he assigns to me. I do with it what he tells me to do with it. And just like you do, no brag here. But I can just tell you, I'm not going to be surprised when money or things come and he says, I want you to distribute them here and distribute them there. I talk about this all the time. I, I do it so that you'll quit being offended at me when I talk about these things that like I'm worthy of money. I'm I, like I said, I'm a steward. I and I want to all my ministry life back in West Texas. I've always wanted to have a cabin on the lake or on the river back there. You, you got to go a long ways to find a lake or a river. And or here, I've always, because I had ministry friends that didn't have anything to go to, and so they were stuck. And I knew how being in the ministry and not having any money or access to go anywhere, how important that was. My grandmother, when I was farming, she, I mean, I was a young buck, and she would give me her pickup and her fifth wheel and say, you take the family and y'all disappear. I wouldn't have done it for me. But she just said, yeah, take it off. And I always thought I'm going to be like her. And so that's what I've always had that. So that's in me. It's in you. It's in some, it's not like my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you'll give me. We're not that. So surprising us with our good, his goodness and not being surprised takes dreaming. It takes stopping your life and getting off the little place that you're in, the little surroundings, and thinking big. God's going to use me big. We're all thinking it's going to be somebody out there that he's going to use, someone important, someone that's really spiritual. And, but I'm telling you, it's happening right here. And don't be surprised when it happens. When he says, let down the nets, we, we're hauling them out of storage. Amen. So, Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We thank you. you you've given us everything. And you've, you've gone ahead of us in so many ways. We're so grateful. But, Lord, we know that this is just the beginning. We stepped off into something. And whatsoever we sow, that's exactly what we're going to have. And we are endeavoring to sow our lives into you and your kingdom. Just like your disciples did. So thank you for the privilege, the very high honor of being used by the God of heaven. We are just amazed. But on the other hand, we know the price that was given for us to be redeemed, the blood of Jesus. And so we, we expect the price that, that great. We expect for it to be great. The harvest is going to be equal to the seed. So thank you, Lord, that good things, good, great things are in our path. In Jesus' name, amen.
Isn't Jesus wonderful?